0: Hello, and welcome back to Cognition with me, Abirami Vina. Well, it's Sunday again already, and the expected has been declared. As of tomorrow, we're on total lockdown for the next 14 days. I don't have much to say on lockdown, considering it's all on our minds, and we might as well just not talk about it. And if I wanted to talk about any other news, basically all of it's related to corona, so... I'm tired of it, you're tired of it, we're all tired of it. Last lockdown, I wrote a book about the self-reflection I went through during that time. This lockdown, I'm spending time being grouchy and irritated with destiny. Like, come on, twice? We gotta be in lockdown twice? But you didn't click on this podcast to hear me complain. So let's get into the mythology for this week, Egyptian mythology. So this is what happened. I spent all my free time watching documentaries and reading articles on ancient Egypt instead of mythology itself. I mean, can you blame me? Ancient Egypt is just as mysterious and magical as the myths themselves. So obviously we'll have to talk about them both. Because they intertwine more than I realized. I think I first heard about Egypt, well at least this is what I remember is that I first started learning about Egypt when I was in sixth grade It was a part of sixth grade history but I may have heard it before then I'm not really sure but the reason why I was fascinated with Egypt in sixth grade because it was the only other civilization that we were learning about that was polytheistic rolling in gold the people were golden brown and it was just the most similar to Indian culture that we were learning about in some ways I mean I grew up in a mostly American white neighborhood so it was fascinating to see pictures of people who were differently but also decked in gold and who are these people where have they been why didn't I know about them yet so I was entranced by the similarities between the Egyptian and Indian taste for gold my week of going through Egyptian stuff was great Did you know that an Egyptologist is an actual real job? I didn't know till this week. Apparently there are people who study the ancient Egyptian history, language, literature, religion, architecture, and art from the 5th millennium BC all the way up to the 4th century AD. And considering that ancient Egyptian religion is basically their mythology, it's a jackpot. Basically, it'd be great if I knew an Egyptologist, but instead I've got Google and YouTube and I learned a lot. I mean, I was aware of the basics from school and the nerd in me reading random textbooks at the library. But I think at one point, around the age of 12 or 13, I knew every step of mummification in and out. Or so I had thought till this week. I learned things some things which we won't explicitly state because children friendly, duh, mythology seems to have this repeating theme of being less conservative than modern life. So, going through some of the things that I thought were pretty cool. I was under the impression that uh, King Tutankhamen, aka King Tut, I remember in sixth grade just calling this person King Tut and thinking like oh, he has such a cool name. Apparently that's not really how you say his name, but we're going to stick to it. So King Tut, I thought he was like famous and in the history textbooks because he was someone cool in history. Apparently that's not really the case. So in the Valley of Kings in Egypt, there are lots of tombs of different like pharaohs and obviously kings. So King Tutankhamun, aka King Tut's tomb is number 62 and it was discovered by howard carter a british explorer in 1922 now the reason why this tomb is known to us so well and king tut is a pharaoh that a lot of us are familiar with is because many other tombs were found in the valley of kings but they were raided by tomb raiders and thieves so they didn't have anything inside them that was of value with respect to history itself king tut's tomb was untouched for about 3,000 years so the Tomb writers didn't get to him, so all the treasure and all like the artifacts that he was buried with stayed there so that archaeologists could take a look. And it provided tons of insight into the ancient Egyptian burial traditions. So that is why we know a lot about King Tut. I mean, we don't know a lot. We're still not sure how he died. We have different, like theories, but nothing certain. But we did get a better glimpse into it, which is why a lot of 6th graders know who King Tut is. Now how is it that so many different tombs were raided, but his tomb wasn't raided? Well this also isn't a proven fact, but it's a theory that I found pretty interesting. So basically Mother Nature took care of it. A normal tomb is buried under lots of dirt and debris and rocks to make sure that you can't find the entrance. Now, King's Tut tomb was buried in even more rocks than what was normally expected. So how this happened was his tomb is in a location that's kind of at the center of like a basin. So we're in the desert where's the basin What are you talking about i know hold on so basically flash floods can happen in the area of the king um the valley of the kings and so when these flash floods do occur they break down debris and rock and they carry it with them and the place where the flash flood would pool is in front of king Tut's tomb so once the the water goes away and whatever, the rocks land on top of his tomb entrance, which is why his tomb was hidden so well and it was protected till Howard Carter came along. And in that way, almost 5,000 hidden artifacts and 200 pounds of gold were protected in his tomb. So I guess King Tut wasn't super important in history, but with respect to uncovering history, King Tut is pretty special. So, getting back to what I mentioned about mythology being intertwined with daily life in ancient Egypt, so the concept of mummification actually comes from mythology. The first mummy ever was Osiris, Osiris was uh, one of the gods, and let's not get into details, but his brother chops his body into various pieces and scatters them, and his wife collects the pieces together and binds him together into a mummy to bring him back to life temporarily so that she can have a kid but anyway that's where it starts that's where the concept of mummification first comes in so initially that's how the concept of mummification comes in and it's interesting to see how initially speaking pharaohs had scores of people murdered to be buried with them to help them serve in the afterlife, but over time it seems as society as a whole in ancient Egypt grew a conscience and was like, no, we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to save these people and bury figurines instead to help the dead pharaohs. So, that was also something interesting i just thought they killed people and stuffed them inside but seems over time they understood that that's not cool little figurines were created and they were put on little boats and packed with the emperor's other stuff to help them emperor pharaoh pharaoh i meant pharaoh yeah and then not only humans were mummified lots of other animals were also mummified so that they could hang out with the pharaoh in the afterlife and one of those animals is the cat so of course i was interested in that and not just cats were important in egyptian history not just because they were mummified but also because there was a cat goddess bass Bast, or basset however you want to say it is famous for fighting a great evil serpent every night, killing it, coming back, it coming back, and then she killing it again and going on and on till she vanquishes it once and for all. And then strangely in history, the warrior god who's originally depicted with a lion head is suddenly domesticated with a cat head and becomes the goddess of fertility because cats have lots of kittens. So that's interesting how mythology can change to help the humans at the time explain things and feel better in like... Have some mental structure of support, which is essentially what religion is in many cases. It's really cool. One of the reasons why I enjoy looking at mythology is because it once again is the study of humanity at a different point in time. Humans are so interesting emotionally, mentally, physically. The way we think with our hearts, heal with our minds, our bodies and capability to like keep going. It's quite fascinating. So that's why I had Chosen mythology. So while looking through all of this and looking for something interesting, obviously I also came upon something that I found kind of funny. The story of Cinderella seems to have originated in Egypt. Can you believe that? I mean, I thought it was like probably from Britain, but okay Cinderella originated in Egypt. The story was actually called a girl with the rose red slippers. So The story basically goes that there was a girl slave and then a wealthier person saw her at the, um, slave sale, um, don't know what you call that, they're selling slaves, basically. So this wealthier merchant type character decides to buy her from the slave trade and instead of keeping her as her slave, Key decides to treat her like a daughter and gives her fancy riches including red rose slippers that were quite expensive and one day while she's taking a bath, one of her slippers go missing, and somehow it ends up with the Pharaoh, and then he wants to know whose slippers it is, so then we go through the whole Cinderella thing again, and then we find out it's the girl, and then the Pharaoh and her fall in love, and live happily ever after. Um, I'm, I may have left a few details here and there, but basically it's Cinderella, but instead of having the evil stepmother and the, all that nastiness, we have slave trade. So, yeah. So I could go on and on about ancient Egypt. It's very sensual, exciting, mysterious, possibly deadly time period to go about. But that's all the time we got for today. So moving on. So our not sponsor ad break of the day is Lipton green tea. So I actually don't like green tea. I think it's disgusting. Until I tried Lipton green tea, honey lemon flavor. It's amazing. And the green tea in our house isn't mine. It's my sister's, but I steal one every day because why not? So Lipton green tea, get your Lipton green tea. So Egypt reminds me of the Nile, so because it is story time today, today I'm going to tell you my favorite bedtime story that my mom used to tell me as a kid instead of something that I'm working on because I haven't worked on anything this week. So, the crocodile and the monkey is the story I'm going to tell you. Let's begin. Once upon a time, there was a crocodile and a monkey who were best friends. The crocodile would swim to the bank of the river every day, and the monkey would climb down from his tree, and they would sit there and talk and have a great time one day they were sitting and talking and having a great time and then the crocodile didn't realize it was getting late and he went home late that day his home is the middle of the lake the river thing so He goes to the center of the river and he meets his wife and his wife's like, why are you late? And then he's all like, oh, I was just talking to a friend of mine, you know, I got caught up talking to him. And the crocodile's crocodile's wife is like, no, you're probably talking to another lady crocodile. You're cheating on me. That's not okay. I don't have any proof that you were talking to someone else. And then the crocodile man's like, oh, but I, I don't know how to prove that to you. And then she's all like okay who's your friend and then he's all like oh i have a monkey friend and she's like you have a monkey friend you want me to believe that last month you ate a monkey and now you have a monkey friend and the crocodile man's like well he's really funny i don't want to eat him i like him and then the crocodile's wife is like no you're probably cheating on me if you want me to believe you then you bring me the heart of that monkey so that we can have a nice date dinner together then that crocodile's like but he's my friend And Crocodile's wife is like, I don't care. You get one last chance, that's it. And then the Crocodile's like, hmm, wife or friend? The eternal discussion that everyone seems to be having. Okay, I'll try to bring you the monkey's heart. So the next day he goes to meet the monkey as usual and the monkey's waiting for him at the bank and the monkey's like, hey, why are you late today? What happened? And then the Crocodile's like, oh, my wife is fighting with me and the monkey's like, yeah, wives and then the monkey goes on and then he's talking about his day and blah, blah 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 and then the crocodile's like why don't you get on my back and i'll give you a ride around the river because we're both bored today and then the monkey is like sure why not and he gets on to the crocodile and the crocodile's swimming and the river is quite large so the crocodile's home is quite far away and in between suddenly the crocodile gets guilty and the crocodile's like i'm sorry monkey and the monkey's like what well no why are you sorry what's going on this ride is great and then the crocodile's like no i tricked you i'm taking you to my wife she thinks i'm cheating on her with someone else so i have to give my wife your heart so that we can eat it so that we can like be happy together and the monkey's like oh no and the crocodile's like what are you mad at me and then monkey's like no i'd love to help you with your wife problems but i didn't bring my heart with me i left it back in my tree And then the crocodile's like, oh no, now the wife's not gonna believe that you're a monkey. And then the monkey's like, oh no, you know what? Let's go back to my tree and I'll get the heart and come down then we can go see your wife. And the crocodile's like, you do that for me? And the monkey's like, I'm your best friend. I'd do anything for you. So then the crocodile swims back to the bank of the river and then the monkey goes up into the tree. And then the crocodile's like, you got the heart, let's go. And the monkey's like, huh, give me some time. The crocodile waits for one hour. The crocodile waits for two hours. And then the monkey's not coming. It's like, yo monkey, what's going on? I'm late, my wife's gonna be mad at me. And the monkey is like, you fool. You think I don't carry my heart with me? Why would I leave my heart in my tree? I would be dead. I'm not coming downstairs. You're not a good friend. You put your life in front of my heart and my life. And then the is like, oh no monkey, I'm so sorry. The monkey's like yo i don't care i'm not talking to you ever again so then the monkey goes back to his monkey friends and plays with this monkey and then the crocodile goes home sad loses his wife and then doesn't know what to do so the moral of the story is go home on time <laughs> okay so maybe that's not how my mom told me the story when i was a kid but that's how i like to tell it to my sister so <laughs> okay um you know all the normal things arc copies are still available subscribe to the mailing list you know what i'm talking about follow me on instagram i hope you like this podcast it is not put together because i am not put together because we are on lockdown again excuse me okay uh thank you for joining me and this has been cognition with abira Vino.